What's going on, everybody? And welcome into this edition of Be Shafe Daily Live. I wish we were meeting under better circumstances tonight on this Friday as the Cardinals blew a tough one in Pittsburgh. They lose 7-5 to to the Pirates. They had this game on lock. It was a five-run lead, all stemming from a very productive third inning for the Cardinals. But unfortunately, it's the only inning in which they scored any runs tonight as we'll pull the Cardinals batting line and box scores up for you there on your YouTube stream. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the Brendan Schaefer St. Louis Cardinals writer YouTube channel. Like the stream and then go ahead and get your comments in on the side. You've got to wait 60 seconds in order to comment. That's just to try to get everybody in here uh, committed and subscribed. It's free to do so. Would appreciate if you like Cardinals content, you're going to want to be here with us throughout the season as we break things down from a Cardinals perspective here on the show. Make sure you're following Be Shafe Daily on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. Give us a five-star rating and review over on those audio-based apps. And if you like the video version with a little bit of razzle-dazzle on the screen, YouTube is the place for you to be. And that's where you find yourself tonight if you're watching this live. So appreciate you guys for being with us today. Wow, wow, wow. How about that loss for the Cardinals? It's not the way I thought this game would go down when the Cardinals took that 5 nothing lead in the third inning. You get an opposite field home run by Nolan Arenado. That should have been a good omen for this game. His first, I believe this is right, his first home run to the right of center field since joining the Cardinals in 2021. He had a big game tonight going three for five. Nolan Gorman with a multi-hit game. Paul Goldschmidt had a nice game on base four times as we're checking it out here on the screen. It was the return of Jordan Walker who went a modest one for five, but you had base runners up and down the line of 13 hits for the Cardinals in five walks The problem was, yeah, we'll scroll down a little bit further on the screen and show the left on base. There were 12 of them tonight for the Cardinals. And really, like, the three for nine with runners in scoring position, you think, oh, well, that's not terrible. The ones they didn't get, though, were the painful ones there in the late innings when they just kept having the bases loaded and they kept not being able to come through. One was Alec Burleson. You had a couple other instances late in this game, and they couldn't add on. And at the time, you're thinking, well, Maybe not the end of the world in a 5-1 to one game, but a 5-1 to one game quickly became a 5-3 to three game. And then with Giovanni Gallegos on the mound, it was swiftly a 6-5 to five and then 7-5 to five game as Cabrian Hayes deals the big blow to the St. Louis Cardinals chances tonight. And I get that Cabrian Hayes has not had the best season. You look here on your screen, Hayes batting toward the bottom of the order for Pittsburgh, but he had a three-hit game, four runs driven in despite that 231 batting average and 656 OPS. Cabrian Hayes is a guy that was a big-name prospect a couple of years ago. And so when I maybe saw him coming up to the plate there with runners on second and third, I thought, no way you pitched to him. I guess I didn't realize he's struggling to the extent that he has this season. But I also knew he's got a couple of base hits coming into that spot in tonight's game. And I was just kind of surprised to see the Cardinals pitch to him with the base open at first. But Palacios was the batter next up, and he hit a bomb, man. Bat flipped the hell out of that one to make it 7-5, adding on a little bit of insurance that the Pirates honestly didn't need. At that point, I didn't see any way the Cardinals were uh, going to fight back in this game, especially once David Bednar got in there. I think that's a save for my fantasy team, so we'll take the wins where we can get them. Uh, but really tough spot to see the Cardinals give up a six-run seventh to lose this game tonight. Again, that is just a really, really tough loss to swallow, and I know Cardinals fans are feeling a lot of Various emotions about it, and rightfully so, as we take a look here at the NL Central standings at the conclusion of the night. There may still be some teams in play. Uh, I don't believe the Chicago Cubs have wrapped up their game because they were already 24-31, and 31, 
so we can kind of keep an eye on what they're up to. But the Cardinals, as of right now, sitting all by their lonesome in last place in the National League Central Division at 25-33. and 33. They sink back down to a robust eight games below 500. And the Brewers, unfortunately for the Cardinals, got the win today in extra innings, I believe, was their matchup against the Reds. Five to four in 11 innings, and so the Reds could not help the Cardinals out in that regard. But hey, the Reds are above the Cardinals in the standings, too. Talked about it on the radio today on KTGR. The KTGR Big Show airs from 4 to 6 in Columbia, Missouri on KTGR and KTGR.com. We've also got an app if you want to check it out. Cardinals Talk, Mizzou Talk, Kansas City Chiefs Talk is kind of uh, our specialties, our wheelhouses, if you will, on the show. But we were talking some Cardinals today, and I basically said I wanted to see the Cardinals approach this series over the weekend in Pittsburgh like it was a playoff series. It's not a playoff series, obviously. It's still early June. But with where the Cardinals came into today at five and a half, or pardon me, four and a half games back in the division and still having a few teams, including the Pirates, to surpass in order to get to the top of the NL Central ladder, I thought this was a really important series coming in for the Cardinals. Put the Pirates in their place a little bit was my thought process. And it seemed like at the beginning of this game they were going to do that and to basically let it slip away the way that they did with bad relief pitching. But also, I think you got to pin this on the offense a little bit too. I think it's a 50-50 uh, share, I asked the question in the description of this video, what you guys are pinning it on, and I'd love to hear your answers to that question. But if you're the Cardinals and you have that many opportunity with the bases loaded, I don't care if it's two outs, one outs, what the circumstances are, you've really got to be able to scratch across some more runs, and it's almost like a scenario where, yeah, they kind of took it for granted when they get into that spot. And it's not to say they were not trying to come through in those situations, but you don't feel the sting of it in the moment because you're still leading 5 to nothing or 5-1, to one until the big six-run seventh for Pittsburgh. So let me know your thoughts. Get them in. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. Let's get the likes up to 20 if we can. We're sitting here at a cool 13. You can like it and comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. We'll go ahead and jump right into the comments, though. As Tim mentions, it was a tough one tonight and asks what I thought of Walker. Well, you know, has the uh, game-ending ground ball to second base kind of along the lines of uh, what we thought the Cardinals were trying to eliminate or decrease in his game is the number of ground balls. Um, you know, I thought I saw him swing at a couple of pitches outside the zone, which is what I was a little worried about him when he was in St. Louis in April. It seemed like there were times where he was chasing those breaking balls out of the strike zone a little bit too often. Uh, but one for five, like I said, a modest day. He gets a base hit. Um, didn't really stand out in, in one way or the other for me. I think he can be a weapon, though, in the eight hole for the Cardinals. And it's, uh, in my opinion, good to have him back. Janelle, what's going on? getting everybody in here. Let me go ahead and make sure we've got the live chat going rather than just the top chat because I want to hear from everybody. Terry asks, or he comments and asks, he or she, I apologize, Terry could be either gender um, in my experience. I'm not an Ollie fan, but man, is there a reliever that isn't incredibly inconsistent? I think that's a great way to put it, Terry, because you think about this loss for the Cardinals. Giovanni Gallegos is the one that has to wear this one and a lot of Frustration, I think, too, with Andre Pallante. He gets him out of the sixth inning, but then really struggles in the seventh, which necessitates Gio coming into the game. And a lot of people wondered, well, with all those lefties coming up in the lineup for the Pirates, why Giovanni Gallegos and not maybe Henesis Cabrera? Uh, I don't think, honestly, very many people were clamoring for Steven Matz, but Cabrera was a name. Like, everybody's rested in the bullpen coming into today, and Cabrera is kind of your top lefty, although Palante is a guy that you trust against lefties as well, but he just didn't seem to have it there in that beginning of the seventh inning. And so they go to the bullpen. And I thought the timing of going to the bullpen was interesting as well. 
um, because at first they let Palante begin that at bat, but then the double steal occurs and Ollie goes out and gets him in a 1-0 count, which is something you don't very often see. But knowing the way the Cardinals are typically looking to use Andre Palante, it's to get a ground ball, and, and double plays are one of his specialties. Once that is out of play because of the double steal, it makes sense to go to your bullpen and say, can we get somebody out here that can earn us a strikeout and get us closer to getting out of this inning unscathed? That was the thought process there from Ollie Marble, and he mentioned that in the postgame, if you saw it on Bally Sports Midwest, it was not surprising to hear him explain it in that way because, again, they go to Palante when they think a ground ball is the best situation, but once that's not and they looked at him and said, man, he's been a little erratic, he hasn't been getting the job done, let's go to the bullpen now. The choice was Giovanni Gallegos, and you can kind of take that a couple of ways. It was, I want to say, lefty, and then it was Santana, who's a switch hitter, and then it was lefty-lefty after that. And the further you get into that inning, I want to defend Ollie in this way. The further you get into that inning, the less you're thinking about who's coming up. I mean, you do have to consider it, but if you're bringing in Gallegos to face, I think it was Sawinski at the time, you're looking at that and saying he gets the strikeout, and then we deal with Santana, and we're hopefully out of it. If you're not... Yes, there are more lefties coming up, and it is the bottom of the lineup at that point. I think Hayes is, what, seventh or sixth or seventh in the lineup in this game tonight. We can scroll out and uh, double-check that. Yeah, Hayes is down in the seven hole, and then Palacios. I could be mispronouncing that. I apologize if I am. I'm sure he's not watching. Um, he comes into that spot in the eight hole. Yeah, so the problem is you walk the first guy when you're looking for a K in that spot. And yeah, it puts Gio in a little bit of a bind in the first place to have him coming into a game with a 1-0 count. Not exactly a fair spot to put your pitcher, but at the same time, he is the Cardinals' best reliever. And that's why you go to him in that spot. I wasn't surprised that Ollie went to him in that spot, even knowing the lefties coming up. To me, that was just probably the way that you got to go with it. Couldn't get the strikeout of Sawinski, he walks him. Double for Santana really puts you into a bind. Fortunately, it hops over the fence, so you're talking about a 5-3 to game. Now, once again, first base is open for Hayes. Hayes, to me, is a bigger name than Palacios, and so that's why I was thinking you walk him, and then you try to set up the ground ball double play once again. Uh, even without Palante ping in the game, Gio could certainly uh, get, the, get the ground ball, or maybe he gets a strikeout and moves you closer to getting out of the inning uh, with at least minimal damage instead of completely blowing the entire game right there in that seventh, which is what ended up happening. But I look at that spot after Santana, and if you don't walk Hayes, it's like, okay, a little bit strange. But then I don't believe, if I'm not mistaken here, it would have been Sawinski would have been the first batter of that spot. Obey was in the middle of that as well. And so that that was what would have made it allowable to take, I guess, Gallegos out for the haze at bat is what I think some people were saying. Like, he would have faced the three-batter minimum, and then you could have conceivably brought in a lefty for the haze palacios spot in the order if you didn't love what you were getting from Gallegos. Here's why I don't think that's the worst thing in the world, that the Cardinals did not go that route. Gallegos is your best reliever. I understand Terry's question, and he's got a point. It's difficult to see the Cardinals have so many of their relievers be as inconsistent as they have been, and they definitely have been. Even the, the guys you trust the most, like Gallegos and Helsley, there are just days where they come out and you go, oh, crap, it's not going to be their day. This could be a little bit dicey, and, uh, and today it was dicey and then some. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. But Giovanni Gallegos is your best option in terms of just pure stuff and pure, I think, ability as a relief pitcher. Right now, at least before tonight, that's the way you felt. I don't think there were many people questioning Gio to quite that level. He had been pretty good. I know he gave up a run in the save that he had on Tuesday, but by and large, he had been pretty much nails for the Cardinals recently. If you want to go the Cabrera route against Cabrian Hayes, you can do that. But you risk then Derek Shelton, who is a good manager, better manager than, say, like Craig Council of the Brewers, who would literally bring in lefties off his bench to face Palante, even though it's a complete reverse split situation, as though he is so old school he doesn't bother to look at those numbers. Derek Shelton is a little savvier of a manager. I don't know if folks really realize that because he's the manager of the Pirates and you sort of write them off as a franchise in general. But Shelton is pretty savvy and knows what he's doing. He probably brings in a guy off his bench like Connor Joe or Rodolfo Castro who hits from the right side, and now you still have that right-left or left-right matchup. Like, it's whatever it's going to be, it's not to the Cardinals' advantage in terms of the handedness and the platoons and the splits of it. You're going to end up with the Pirates getting to have the advantage there. So if you're the Cardinals, play to your strength, is what Ollie said, and I understand him saying it. The strength is Gallegos, and so rather than, you know, whatever you think of Cabrera, is he the Cardinals' third-best reliever, fourth-best reliever, whatever the case might be, if he's the guy that you go to in that spot, you are basically detracting from where you would be if you had Gallegos against, yes, some left-handed hitters. It would have been cabby against some right-handed hitters. I don't think you feel great about either situation, but the reality is you don't really get to pick in that spot. There's a three-batter minimum, and the manager who is on offense at that point does have the ability to mix and match. And so Ali Marmel decides to write it out with Gallegos. I understand if you're upset with Ali for it. Um, personally, I was upset. Not upset. What do I care? I thought it was the wrong move not to walk Cabrian Hayes, but at the same time, Palacios comes up and he hits a home run anyway. It goes back-to-back for Pittsburgh, and so I know the butterfly effect. Maybe you pitch him differently if there's bases loaded rather than the home run that Gio gives up to him, Uh, but at the same time, when the guy does hit a home run, it's really hard to get two up in arms and go, yep, it was the wrong move. They should have walked Hayes, but I was saying it in the moment. I always talk about don't second guess. If you've got a take and you know it at the time, then that's different. Uh, but at the time, I was thinking, oh, surely they're going to walk Hayes. And then next thing you know, he's hitting one over the wall and the Pirates have a lead. So that was the one spot I did have a problem with or I would have done it differently. I understand the desire to bring in, you know, Hennessy Cabrera to face a lefty. But I'm telling you, Derek Shelton is going to turn around and give you a righty. And it's easy in retrospect. If you were saying at the time, that's one thing. But in retrospect, it's easy to look at it and go, well, I mean, this is clearly the wrong thing that Ollie Marmel did. I would I would venture and reckon and and plead with you to say, don't you realize it would be a righty facing Cabrera if they would have gone to him at that point. So they gambled and lost with their best reliever or the guy that they considered their best reliever coming into tonight, and it did not work out. I'm not trying to dispute that. And it's a terrible loss to take. You can't have it. You can't have your bullpen, regardless of who goes, give up six runs. But they basically did give up six runs in that seventh inning by going to their best with Gallegos, and it absolutely flamed out and didn't work for them. And that's why we're sitting here talking about a loss instead of a win. But I do want to mention as well, the other reason for that is the Cardinals' inability to come through with those bases loaded situations. You've just got to find a way to cash in. Uh, You can't take for granted. The Cardinals have lost too many games already this season to be taking for granted and to be assuming the sale on a win 
when it's five to one or five to nothing in the middle of the game. You've got to play nine, and the Cardinals got caught napping a little bit late in this game. And by the time you kind of figure it out, it's just it's too late. They weren't going to score off of uh, the final two guys out of the Pirates bullpen. Holderman was the guy that pitched in the eighth inning for Pittsburgh, and I don't know. I think you got to put him on the all name team. It's like, hey, we, we we traded for this guy Holderman. They mentioned that he was part of the Daniel Vogelbach deal. Imagine you're in the Pirates front office, say, yeah, we traded for this guy named Holderman. He's a pitcher. Think we should put him in the rotation? You go, hell no. You got to put him in the eighth inning. He's a holder man. It's literally in his name. I kid. Maybe we're not in the mood for jokes tonight, but that's the only thing that was running through my mind. If the dude's name is Holderman, he's going to pitch the eighth. That's about the way that it goes. And then David Bednar, you're not touching him. He's he's the kind of guy that if the Pirates would just lose a few more games and give up on this season, man, you'd be like really trying to trade for him. Uh, I don't know if they're going to end up buying, selling, what they're going to do at the deadline. But Bednar has been a really good closer for them. And so they have the ability to shorten games with their relief pitching. And unfortunately today, the Cardinals did not. So Terry Long answered your question, but that's kind of the way I look at it today from the Cardinals perspective. Quick drink, and then we'll be right back into the comments section. I can see Tony and Landon have chimed in. We'll go ahead and get this thing going. Uh, Get your comments in. Make sure you like the stream. Only 16 likes. I'd love to get it up. We've got 43 people watching the show right now. Appreciate you guys all for being here. Uh, if you're a viewer who has not ever commented because you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe to Be Shaved Daily and to this YouTube channel for daily Cardinals content. And then once you subscribe, 60 seconds later, you can live chat. Let me know that you're here. I'd love to welcome you to the channel. All right, let's dive back into the comment section here. As Neptune says, we're looking good so far on the stream. Tony says, this team has some talented players on it, but they're just a bad team regardless of that. The team's ineptitude with the base loaded truly is mind-boggling. Marmol's bullpen management is just bad. We've talked about Marmol's bullpen management. I want to get some more comments from you guys on that and what you thought. If I gave if I gave you that explanation where realistically, if you wanted Cabby, it's probably still going to be a bad matchup in terms of a righty coming, on, coming in off the bench, and then you're playing to the strengths of the Pirates. Derek Shelton's smart enough to figure that out. Does that change your mind at all, or do you still kind of say, nope, it's on Ollie, and that's the way I feel? Listen, I'm not going to be... I try to tell you when I agree or disagree with people kind of harping on Ollie. Tonight, I think there were a couple of things he could have done differently. Um, but at the same time, I also don't know if this, by and large, was was on him. I think I look at the bullpen. You end up with Giovanni Gallegos in the game. You may not have liked that he was in there, but he has been one of the Cardinals' best relievers to this point. You cannot have a six-run inning, period. doesn't matter who's in there. doesn't matter if it's Drew Verhagen and Steven Matz coming into the game. You cannot allow that, and Gio did, man, and it's unfortunate because he has had some really, really good games, and then there have been just a couple where when he is bad, he has been horrifically bad, and tonight was another example of that, and it's bad. You can't start a series in Pittsburgh this way. The Cardinals need to win two out of three. There's no room for error win these next two. You don't want to be giving up more ground, especially in a year with a balanced schedule. You don't get those chances that you would normally have late in the season against the also-rans like the Pirates, who maybe they're not an also-ran this year. But the point is you don't get those opportunities. If you give them up now, you're just giving them up for good. And then you're going to have to play a balanced schedule against other teams in the league rather than playing 19 or so games against the Pirates and the Reds and the Cubs. You get about a dozen against each of those teams. And this is a missed opportunity. And now there's plenty of room now to lose this series. I know they've got Miles Michaelis on the hill, and that's going to be a hopefully big difference maker for the Cardinals to be able to even this thing up. But this was not the kind of game that you can afford to lose with the way the Cardinals started this season. So it does sting a little more than your average upsetting loss in the middle of June. 
Like, this one is a, a problematic situation for the Cardinals. One more like and gets us to 20. You guys are all watching. Can't you like it? It would help me. But appreciate you guys for being here. Uh, I joke when I beg for likes like that. It's I like them, but it's no big deal. Landon says it's unbelievable, and he's right. Janelle says Baby Shave spoke, and Jay Flair listened. Yeah, the joke on Twitter that I put out there, we were at a place called Wellhouse, if you're familiar with the Newtown St. Charles area. Good little patio out there at Wellhouse. Not a sponsor, but maybe they could be. But uh, they, they just recently put a TV outside on their patio, so we got to watch the Cardinal game as we were sitting there eating, and my son, was he just kept looking toward the TV, and I thought this would be a funny picture. And then I had to think about, well, what's the caption going to be? And Flaherty had somebody 0-2, and he kind of nibbled a little bit and threw a couple balls that were non-competitive. And then he struck him out on a, on a high fastball. And so it was fine. And really, he didn't nibble a ton today. He, it wasn't like he was walking guys left and right in this game. As we'll bring up the Cardinals box score for you, show you the pitching stats, which uh, just avert your eyes after Flaherty's numbers because it was ugly there for Gio, whose ERA now is up to 3.864 the season. You hate to see that. But only one walk tonight for Jack Flaherty in five and a third. Gave up six hits, one run allowed, and six strikeouts. Jack Flaherty was pretty good tonight. 101 pitches through five and a third. All I was saying is maybe a little bit more efficient. And it's not like he was inefficient and walking a ton of guys. The problem for Flaherty, and it's been this way in the past, the thing that can take him from good to elite, and I say he's good. Right now he is pitching well over his last four starts. I think the 1.84 ERA, if I'm not mistaken. John Denton had the tweet earlier tonight, and so if I'm missing that stat, it's just because I misread the tweet, but it's a sub-2 ERA for Jack Flaherty over his last four combined starts, so he's kind of to a point where you could say he's back, and Miles Michaelis, we know, is back, and so if that's 40% of your rotation giving you quality performances, now you just need Wainwright to get there, and I fully believe that he will, and you can tell me I'm wrong, but I'm still going to maintain it. Uh, Jordan Montgomery is another guy that they are definitely, definitely, definitely going to need to get going. I may have... uh, done the inverse on that. I forget if it's Monty tomorrow or Michaelis. I think it's Michaelis, but I could have mixed those two guys and flipped them. Michaelis pitched Tuesday, so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, Michaelis would be Sunday then, and Monty should be tomorrow if I've uh, transposed those two names in the Cardinals rotation. They need two wins this weekend. I don't care how you get them. Obviously, now it's going to have to come Saturday, Sunday, uh, but it would be a good time for Montgomery to get things going. But you're starting to slowly see signs of the rotation coming to life. Uh, the, the one I have the most questions about, honestly, right now is either Montgomery or Libertor. And I feel good about the Cardinals giving Libertor the opportunity. If you missed it, they announced that Stephen Matz is going to remain in the bullpen for right now. And it'll be Matthew Libertor starting for the Cardinals on Tuesday in Arlington as they take on the Texas Rangers. And that is one of the top offenses in MLB. I believe they lead the league in run scored as of right now. I know they had, as of a couple of days ago, the top run differential in Major League Baseball. And so something else to ke- kind of keep in mind when it comes to that start for Libby, going to be a little bit tough. But, hey, these are the teams on your schedule when you play a balanced schedule, and it's going to be up to these starting pitchers uh, to continue to give the team chances to win. But everybody else has got to do their part. And tonight, it was the offense. Even though they scored five runs, great to see the home runs by Arenado and, and, and everything that was associated with that third inning is you got Donnie hitting one as well to uh, kind of get things going there in the third. His sixth of the season, you'll see Donnie get to 12 or 15 home runs before it's all said and done. Arenado getting his 10th, and again, the backside home run, the uh, the fabled homer that he's been seeking. Remember the, uh, I think this was last year with the clubhouse celebration, joking about how Arenado was asked if he'd trade all 30 of his homers for one backside job. I think Kisner is the one that might have hit it, or Newt Bar, whoever it was. Um, and you could tell that it kind of got to Arenado that, yeah, maybe more so than he than he should if he spent a whole offseason season 
You know, we talked about early in the year when he was struggling. Oh, he's switching up his swing because he wants to be able to go the other way. And it's like, who cares? You pull the ball. That's your game. But a nice swing by Arenado, getting good meat on the bat and uh, on the ball, I should say, and hitting one the opposite way. Donovan with his home run. It was great, but the offense is still kind of partially to blame for this loss tonight. The rest of it goes on the bullpen with that six-run seventh inning. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of loss you cannot have. It's just the bottom line especially when it comes against a division rival that you are behind in the standings, whatever you think of their staying power. And I'm not, I don't happen to be high on the state. Well, am I high? No, I'm not. It's legal now, but no, I don't really partake in that. Um, I don't happen to be high on the pirates and their potential to win this division, even to win 82 games. I think they're more of a 78 to 80 sort of win team this year when it's all said and done. But right now their record is better than yours. If you're the Cardinals, you, you've got to try to trim it by at least a game. And and right now, a game is all you're going to be afforded. If you win the next two, you'll be able to gain one game on them over the course of the weekend. And you certainly do not want to go the other way. That's where this one gets really complicated because of the slow start for the Cardinals. And even since then, like, they were 10-24, and 24, right? Since then, they're 15-9. and nine. Even after tonight, I believe the record is 15-9. and nine. And so it's like, hey, that's pretty good. But you just cannot afford to be on a 15-9 and nine pace the rest of the... I, I guess you could be on that pace... But if they lose a weekend series to the Pirates, suddenly it gets closer and closer into where eventually you look at it and say, well, they were 10-24, and then they had a 50-game stretch where they went 500. Well, if that's all you're getting, it's not going to be enough to get yourself back into the playoff hunt. And I think that's where it gets concerning when you lose games like this one to Pittsburgh. Uh, Dill PLK just said pain, and that's a good point. Adam wonders if Barrera's got some incriminating pictures of John Mozeliak somewhere. Yeah, listen, I want to address the Trace Barrera thing because it is mind-boggling that he's still on this team. But here's what I don't want to do is just make fun of or imply that Trace Barrera is a, a garbage baseball player. It's not really about Trace Barrera as much as, as it is about the roster spot. The roster spot is more valuable to the Cardinals than the way they are using it by having Barrera in it. Not anything about his aptitude. It's more about, do you really need a third catcher that doesn't play? And the answer to that is no. What you need is just options, I think, offensively off the bench. Luke and Baker hitting another bomb tonight in Memphis. He's 26 year old. I get it. He's not a prospect by most standards. He's raking and he's got a 1050 or whatever it is OPS in Memphis. At a certain point, you can't ignore that. You can't ignore the strides that he's made in uh, reaching base and, and taking his walks and doing a little bit of everything at the plate this season. I know he doesn't have a position. Neither does Juan Yepes, and you don't seem very apt to play him right now. And I'll find you a 40-man spot. If it's about the 40-man spot, I'll, let me pick, and I'll find one for you. I, again, do not make a habit of just telling you which players suck and should be off the 40-man. That's not what I want to do here. But if it comes down to can you make this 26-man roster better, the answer is yes. Moises Gomez, I think, is an opportunity to do that. He's not a great defensive outfielder. But, again, you don't need anything more than a bench bat in that Barrera spot because since the 24th of May, haven't used him been like a week and he's been here for like three weeks and has not taken more than two plate appearances the entire time and I think you can count on two hands the number of innings that he has caught so it's not about Trace Barrera being a bad or, or a good baseball player it's about the usage and frankly there isn't any he hasn't been used and so it's open season on the Cardinals for this decision it continues to be baffling it continues to make no sense it's not about Barrera being the bad player so don't shit on Trace Barrera it's not his fault if anything, I think he's loving it, man. He's down there hanging out, making those those major league game checks, getting that pretty, uh, having the time of his life. But it's like, if you're going to have him on the team, have him on the team and use him. And if you don't think he is suitable to usage in a daily basis or at least a few times a week for the Cardinals, 
you know what to do. Find somebody in that spot that you can more uh, appropriately get some usage out of and, and be more efficient and effective with that roster spot. I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind right now that the Cardinals are not doing that, but I, I don't know. I guess it's just something that we're going to continue to shout into the void. And then when three or four, five weeks later, after everybody's been saying it and saying it, saying it, they'll finally make a move and they'll be like, oh, this is the reason that we do this. It makes sense. And we'll go, yeah, I mean, no kidding, but you're not getting credit at that point. Find a way to use that roster spot better. Again, I have been the guy at times this season, back when it was Taylor Motter, kind of in the early days of the Taylor Motter, to say, if we fixate all of our time and energy on whether or not the Cardinals are appropriately using the 26th man on this roster, we're missing the forest for the trees. We've lost the plot because it's not the most important thing going on with the baseball team, and it never will be. It's the last spot on the bench. It's just one of those things that when it goes on for this long, you can't help but look at it and say, hey, that doesn't make any sense. Do something with it. And when you've got a guy like Luke and Baker just absolutely mauling at Memphis, I'm not saying you have a spot in the lineup for him, but he could take a net bat off the bench. He could DH on occasion. You've got Brendan Donovan in the outfield anyway. Put Gorman at second and go ahead and DH Luke and Baker for a few days because nobody's going to be pissed off if he ends up hitting. Like, it's not like people... It's so weird sometimes with the Cardinals. Like, they have to have this very specific set of circumstances in order to make a move. Otherwise, it looks like you know, I don't even. I honestly don't even want to speculate and say what it is or why it is. But we have all noticed this over the course of years that it, it's just like it. It's pulling teeth to get these guys to make a move that would be so innocuous and so minor. But anytime it's to do with a forty man, and that's what it would be with Luke and Baker because he's not on the forty man. But it's not that big of a deal. Like I said, if they don't want to be the one to do it, I will find the forty man spot and I'll let them know who it is, and then they can just go ahead and and, and jettison that player. It's not. It's not a slide on any of those players, but what's, what's going to happen is you're going to get into the offseason, and the guys you were so worried about losing into a 40-man roster spot on a DFA, those players are ultimately probably going to be DFA'd anyway in the offseason. How often has that happened over the course of history where the Cardinals drag their feet on a move and they wait so long, and then it's like, what in the world were you waiting for anyway? You didn't end up keeping that player that you protected all through June and July and August. It's like by November, it's fine to do. So why is it not as okay to do in June, um, especially when you've got certain positions? Again, I'm not naming, naming any names. I'm just telling you, I know that there is some some fringe that you could cut from that 40-man roster. If those guys aren't actively going to join this roster right now in in the big leagues, I, I you know there might just be some room for some of them to to be jettisoned. And maybe they wouldn't even get claimed, right? You could end up... Having those guys in Memphis, it happened a couple of times to Taylor Motter, right? So it's just one of those things that I just don't understand why the Cardinals, it's like they dragged their feet so hard, and then it's like, what were we worried about in the first place if you weren't going to be as protective of some of those guys when you get to the offseason? That's my soapbox rant about the 40-man. Uh, Luke and Baker should be here, or, I mean, he should be here. I don't even have another thing. Just have him be here. What do you get? What do you stand to lose? If, if Alec Burleson is DHing for you tonight, you've got the room. You've got the room. I'm, that's not me trying to dump on Burleson either. I know a lot of Cardinals fans say, oh, I can't stand Burleson. He's, what's he here for? 230 average, 671 on base, uh, or OPS. 671 on base would be notable. He's got a 671 OPS. Goes 0 for 4 tonight and reaches base via walk. I think he is a major league caliber hitter. I don't know if it is with the Cardinals in this current iteration that you have to keep force-feeding him opportunity in the lineup. Because defensively, I don't think he's a plus. I think he's just kind of out there in the, in left field, and it is what it is. Tonight, he's a DH. You could have Luke and Baker DH. And listen, if you bring him up for five or six games and it doesn't look right, well, okay. You'll have me on that. Send him back down. DFA him if you really, you know, 
I just think the Cardinals are very hesitant to make some of these moves that it seems like what you would quantify as an incremental gain, right? Hasn't that always been what John Mozeliak has strived for is incremental. But if it, if it veers into the territory of quote unquote complicated, then we don't see them do it. I think there's too fine of a line on that sometimes. And uh, for fear of doing a little too much, the Cardinals kind of get gun shy on some of these moves. And maybe they truly just don't even care about Luke and Baker. And they just say, Oh, we don't believe it's going to translate because you know, he's uh, he's got too many holes in his swing. He would be eaten alive by breaking balls and the like from major league pitching. And maybe that's true. I have no idea if that would end up being the case. I, I, I just saw what my hair looked like. Give me a second. That's funny. I'm watching on like the, the YouTube live stream version of it to make sure the stream stays live. And there's a little bit of a delay. And so I hadn't, I hadn't seen like the devil horns creeping up. So that's kind of funny, but you know what I'm saying when it comes to the Cardinals and these moves, um, they might just think that Luke and Baker is nothing. And if that's the case, okay. But it's fair to maybe be critical of that because you know what? They once thought Luke and, or not Luke and, but uh, Patrick Wisdom was nothing. They once thought Adalas Garcia was nothing. And those are two guys. I don't mention Rosarena because they traded him for a first round pick, Matthew Libertor, who's now in the rotation. But like Garcia, and again, everybody in MLB could have had Garcia at one point in time when the Rangers DFA'd him and then they brought him back. So I'm not trying to grill the Cardinals for that necessarily, but like Patrick Wisdom, some of those guys that have been around and then just never really got their chances with the Cardinals, but elsewhere showed they were guys. I I feel like that's, I'm not saying that's what will or would happen with Luke and Baker, but at the same time, it's just kind of crazy to me that they just have a, a very big lack of willingness to find out when the guys who are running out right now at DH or at some of these positions at the big league level, they're not producing. I just don't understand. It's it's just kind of off the rails for me. Uh, go ahead and like the stream. We can get it to 25 and 30, I'm sure, as we go along here. Uh, Tiago says, flew in from South Carolina for the series today. When I was in D.C. for a connecting flight, we are up 5 nothing. I land in Pittsburgh and we're down 7-5. Just brutal. Hoping tomorrow will be better. Tiago, I hope for your sake that it will be as well. Uh, Cardinals fans out there in Pittsburgh got to find a way to help them out and get this team a couple of wins. It's all on you guys by your, uh, your cheering, of course, in the stands. Uh, Dill, P- Dill Pickle, I don't really know how to pronounce that, but he says to DFA the bullpen. I think if you DFA the entire bullpen, you were going to have some, uh, some innings crises developing out, out in the pen. Asher puts it on Marmel. I've kind of talked about my thoughts about it. I'm going to read a couple of these and, and see what other people believe when it comes to uh, whether Marmel should bear some responsibility for the pitching change. Janelle says, to be fair, Gio has actually been really good for us so far this season. He obviously just had a bad game, but the blame can be spread around for sure and wants me to elaborate on what's going on with Barrera and the situation with his control. Um, as far as his control... I, I, they could, I'm sure they could option Trace Barrera, um, but it, it, maybe it's a case where, and, and if there have been tweets and reporters that have talked about this and I've missed it, I apologize. Maybe it's a case where, you know, he had an agreement with the organization that if he wasn't on the big league team after a such and such date, he could have his release. But like, if that's the case, so be it. You don't hold a player hostage on your bench just because you're worried about him going. If anything, eventually Yvonne Herrera is a guy that's probably deserving of an opportunity at the big league level anyway. I know right now you want Herrera to be playing every day and, and getting that growth and those opportunities, but he's OPSing about 960 down in Memphis and hopefully growing on the defensive side because I think that's where the Cardinals had their concerns about him last year. But I don't know in terms of Barrera's control, like if it would be a concern 
Can they send him back to Memphis without him, you know, opting out of his contract? Maybe. I have no idea. But if I'm Barrera and this team has shown such a willingness to to consider me, I'm I'm not opting out of nothing. This is the team that I'm going to get the most opportunity with, without a doubt. A's asked how much longer before Mo makes a move. I mean, in fairness, they made moves today. But if you mean a trade, I would say it's still going to be a little while. Here's the way I look at it for me, starting pitching perspective, when it comes to making a trade or not. Matthew Libertor is in the rotation, and that is the right thing. Steven Matz is in the bullpen, and that is the right thing. The thing that we need to find out is, can Libertor stay in the rotation for the long haul, including 2024? And I'm inclined to believe that he can, but let's be honest, so far we've seen him give up some runs in a couple of outings, and so we don't really know for sure. Um, The first start was good, didn't give up any runs. The last start, a little sketch, but again, not really his fault as much. Didn't like Arenado playing in at third. That was the game in Cleveland when he gave up the four or five runs, whatever it was, in that fifth inning. And by the way, I heard, uh, I was listening to the radio tonight when one of those big innings was going on, and they were talking about, I think it was after the Santana hit, and they said, the infield's playing back except for Arenado's in at third. I'm thinking, for the love of all that is holy, how many times have we seen Arenado being in at third costing this team. I don't agree with continuing to be aggressive in those spots, especially when the run that you'd be giving up is not the go-ahead run. So my soapbox, it's short, but that's my rant on Arenado. I wish he would stop playing so far in, but I know that that's the way the Cardinals want to do it because they say, hey, we've got the best defensive third baseman in the game. We're going to try to take advantage of that by being aggressive. I totally get it. I just don't agree with it. That's my thought. Needing to scroll back up here now to find the darn thing. Man, y'all are getting it going with the YouTube comments. Alrighty, I'm I'm all, I'm close. I'm closing it in, folks. Robert is starting to lose confidence in the bullpen. No matter what, we can't get everybody playing good at the same time. And yes, the offense is a big blame tonight. All the blown opportunities with bases loaded, and we didn't even hit to get on base. Mostly walked. Yep, I agree with that, Robert. You got to put some of the blame on the offense for what happened tonight. There's no doubt about that. Fly Navy seventy three wants to know. Who gives a F about the standing in June for a last place team? Only people using it as a crush to prop up a terrible record. Oh, look, we're only so many games back. Yeah, I mean, they're five and a half back. The standings are what they are. It needs to be said. Um, kind of keep an eye on it because, listen, if the Brewers or somebody else was running away with this division by, you know, had a 10 game above 500 pace, then it would be a different situation. Um, but the Cardinals have always had the mentality of just getting the playoffs and see what happens. And people haven't liked that because they've wanted them to be more aggressive in the offseason to build a roster that is more capable of, you know, getting a first round by or actually doing damage when you get into the playoffs. The Cardinals believe, you know, and again, it's not that they're just playing to get in. That's the narrative. But they do believe that if you get in, good things can happen. They have seen proof of that twice in their recent history, last, you know, 15, 20 years. And so that's part of the reason that the standings do matter because if the Brewers are 10 games over right now, I think there's a lot smaller of a chance of this Cardinals team making the playoffs this year, but the Brewers aren't 10 games over. Nobody is in this division. And so the Cardinals have a little bit of latitude to, to struggle and still be able to make it. They're 15 and nine is their record since that terrible start. If they do that three more times, gain six games each time, they're going to be there by the end of the season. I don't know exactly what win percentage that would put them at by the end, but it would be good enough to get them in the mix. And so 
It's just a matter of kind of maintaining what they've done, but they've been more streaky than those numbers suggest. The 15 and nine is not just a straight 15 and nine. It's you win a lot, you'll lose a few, you win a couple, you lose. I mean, they've got to get that rhythm where they're getting back to winning series again. And that's been something they haven't done recently. You know, you can go back to before the Red Series. They split that one. They lost in Cleveland. They split the Royals. And now they're already at risk of losing this series to the Pittsburgh Pirates over the weekend. So got a long way to go to be able to kind of get back to where they want to be. There's no doubt about that. Asher says, if not for Ollie, you'd be in first place, dude. Yeah, I don't agree. But I know Asher's feelings by now. Again, what do you have to say to the move when it comes to Giovanni Gallegos versus anything else that he could have done in that spot. The one thing I would say, and I've seen some comments about this and I'll get to them, but Jordan Hicks would have been a consideration for me. I think he's been a a lot better recently and he's just been nowhere to be found. I mean, he hasn't pitched in a while. I don't think he's, maybe he pitched over the weekend in Cleveland. I was only kind of so-so paying attention in that series, um, but only pitched once in the red series. We just haven't seen a lot of him lately. Very strange to me. And so if that would have been a spot for Hicks, but again, we've also heard Jordan Hicks, you bring him in with runners on base already, the inherited runners, he hasn't fared well. But I think we've seen a better version of Hicks recently to where maybe that wouldn't be as much of a concern. Uh, but Hicks would have been another consideration. Certainly could understand if people wanted to have seen that. Brian says it makes him want to sell his tickets for tomorrow's game. Um, yeah, I mean, if you already got tickets, though. PNC is a beautiful ballpark. I've never been, but I hear great things that I would love to be able to get there. So I wouldn't be selling the tickets, Brian, but just maybe order an extra beer or something during the game to get you through. Uh, but be safe driving home or Ubering, wherever you're going. Just be smart. Asher says, I'm sorry, the team's garbage all the way around. Management, ownership, bullpen, et cetera. Yep, I understand. You're upset. Fly Navy wants to talk about Arenado with his 8 percentile speed, sprint speed. Career success rate of 54% having the green light on the bases. Uh, he's got two steals and three caught stealing this season. Yeah, Fly Navy, Arenado's not a guy. He's probably the only guy on the team that I would tell not to, not to steal base with a green light, but... I also have claimed I wanted the Cardinals to be more aggressive in those situations. And so um, I, I can't necessarily light him up too bad for that. But you you do have to pick your spots. And so far, Arenado, who is incredibly slow. maybe I'm surprised, to be honest with you, that he's 8th percentile. I thought he would be the 2nd percentile. He's one of the slowest players in MLB. I don't say that to be mean to him. He's one of the best players on this Cardinals team. He's just slow as hell. It's just what it is. So, yeah, I'm kind of surprised to see that, that he... Uh, that he's listed with 8%, but just not a great base stealer. Got to pick your spots. Got to be aggressive when it, when it suits you. But right there, maybe not the spot for Arenado. So I can understand being upset about that. Um, Daniel says, what will it take for the front office to admit the club isn't good? Well, Daniel, what do you want him to say? Do you want him to go on TV and say, this club isn't good, and then you, you can throw stones at them because you're mad as a Cardinal fan? Like, that's not realistically going to happen. So, Daniel, they're not going to admit that the club isn't good <laughs> because that would be, you you would you would be upset with them if they did so and say, what is this team doing giving up in the middle of the year? So they're not going to come out and admit it. Um, but they are at risk of having a season that isn't good and, and kind of showing that they aren't very good as a club if they continue on this path. But I will say 10-24 and 24 is where they were. That was abysmal. That was fire everybody if that pace is kept up. I've I've said you're not firing Mosellock because he's already he's already out the you know, I'm not gonna say he's one foot out the door, but he's gonna be out the door within the next few years. Like you're going to get that. If you want John Mosellock not running the Cardinals anymore, I've got news for you that within three years you're going to have it. It's not it's a fact. It's not even something that I'm gonna consider like speculation. He basically went as much as to say it. He didn't come out and and say, I'm leaving after this contract, but it was kind of like, yeah, this is looking like the last contract. And before the end of it, I do predict, 
and, and based on kind of reading the tea leaves about the situation, that he's not going to be as hands-on in the president role as he has been by even toward the end of the contract. So if that's what you want, you're going to get it. They're just not going to fire him, Asher, uh, and I don't think they're going to fire Ollie. Dusty Blake, there's definitely – I'm not saying they're firing him midseason, but there's definitely – kind of a target on his back a little bit to get it going. I talked about on one of the recent episodes of B Chief Daily during the off days about Mike Maddox is the pitching coach for the Rangers. You look at their pitching staff, Nathan Avaldi has been incredible, like a 2-4 ERA. John Gray has a 2.81 ERA. That's just, I mean, John Gray's a fine pitcher. Many years with the Rockies, he was never like that. And then you've got DeGrom over there as well when he's healthy, you know what he's capable of doing. And even Andrew Heaney with a 3.7 ERA, like, Mike Maddox, the departure of him, I'm not saying it's as big as losing Yachty, but they both happened at the same time. And I just think it was taken for granted a little bit how difficult it would be to usher in a new pitching coach while dealing with all those catcher changes and the like. Uh, Quick moment while we've got 53 people in the stream. Appreciate you guys for being here. Subscribe to this channel for daily Cardinals content throughout the season. I'm working hard. I've pretty much been doing this seven days a week, barring some, you know, vacations or weekends and stuff like that. So if you guys like Cardinals content, the one thing you can know about this B-Shape Daily and uh, the Brendan Schaefer YouTube channel, we're accessible. We're going to be here. So uh, if you like Cardinals Talk, this is the place to be. Like the stream to get us up to 30 likes on the stream, and just make sure you subscribe. For new subscribers, you have one minute after you subscribe. You click that button, and then you'll be able to comment in the live chat. Do that, and let me know that you're here because I want to see some new names in the live chat. appreciate you guys for being here. Tyler wants to fire Ollie. I don't see it happening this season. Like, if they go back on another 10-win, 10, 10 24-win pace or 24-loss kind of pace, then sure, I think anything's possible in terms of personnel. Uh, but I really don't think the Cardinals are in a spot where they're looking to fire Ollie. Um, they, I don't think it was even really considered the first time in retrospect. I thought it might have been because it was getting to that point where it's like if they lose every game, eventually you got to make a change. But they saw through that, and I again, one night of your best reliever blowing a game is not cause for firing the manager, but at the end of a season, if they lose 95 games or 90 games, then that might be. I'm not trying to dispute that. I mean, like, Ollie hasn't had a great year because his team hasn't had a great year, and at the end of the day, as the field manager, you are held responsible for what your team does, and I think that's rightfully so, but this is a Cardinals team that has invested in Ollie. They believe in Ollie, and so I don't really think you're looking at a situation where he's imminently going to lose his job. Just I, You can continue to make the comments, and I'll continue to talk about him. I just, again, don't believe it's coming. The Grave of Einstein making light of that by saying, Fire, comma, Oliver Marmel. He is near a big fire and should evacuate for his health. Um, yeah, that's basically where it's at, guys. I'm just trying to level with you. Um, it's not coming. The fire Ollie is not coming. And for the record, I, don't, I, I mean, people who know me know this, but I, I don't believe he should be fired, so... Uh, Asher says Jordan Hicks sucks. Well, that's great. Or no, wait a minute. He says Jordan Hicks, bro. Jordan F and Hicks. Yeah, I, like I said, I think that could have been a way that you go. Um, but he says Caviar Geo, no Hicks was Asher's thought. Um, yeah, I don't know where, where Jordan Hicks is on the ERA and things of that nature, but I just noticed that they haven't really used him a lot lately is what it seems like to me, but I'll try to check that out. Everybody knows, though, when I start typing in things as we go, it ends up being bad news bears. I just can't do it. Um, and it's the worst too. when it's a guy like Jordan Hicks, because you pull him up and you get everything for the NFL linebacker. Uh, so you think Jordan Hicks is terrible. It's hilarious. Asher, like the fact that you would say that boggles my mind. Here's Jordan Hicks 
since the 8th of May. Two innings, no runs. One inning, no runs. One and two-thirds, no runs. One inning, none. One inning, none. One inning, none. No hits in any of those, by the way. Not one of them did he allow a hit. And then over the weekend against the Guardians, two innings, one hit, no walks. And you want to bash Jordan Hicks. Get a grip, dude. Like, honestly. Asher, I appreciate your passion, dude, because you're always in here and you're always watching the live streams. But get a grip if you're going to say that Jordan Hicks is is terrible and shouldn't be a guy that they go to. Here's Jordan Hicks's stats. I'm going to put them on, a, on the screen for everybody. Because at a certain point, man, I just got to call a spade a spade. Get a grip. I get it. Jordan Hicks had struggled earlier in the season, and he wasn't the guy that you wanted to see in leverage or with inherited runners or anything like that. Look at the numbers. Look at them. He went from a admittedly terrible 7.62 ERA down to now a 4.37 ERA. And over the course of, I'll count them up for you, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine and two-thirds innings, he has given up one hit and three walks to go along with 13 strikeouts. Yeah, Jordan Hicks would have been a very, if you were sitting there in the moment watching this game and saying, Ollie, why are you going to Geo and not Jordan Hicks? I respect that, and I say that's right. He should have gone Jordan Hicks instead of Geo. But it's hard for me to, after the fact, say that because I'm not going to say that's the reason the Cardinals lost the game. I just think you might have Jordan Hicks locked into a better situation right now than you even do Gallegos. And so if that was your argument in the moment, you get the banner, you get the trophy. I think that's legitimate, actually, that Hicks would have been a better option. Uh, But that's also a little bit ballsy and gutsy to say. So if you were saying it at the time, I credit you as a Cardinal fan. Hicks might have been the right answer. Do I think that Cabby was the right answer instead of Geo? I don't. I really don't the more I think about it because I agree with Ollie that they were going to go to a righty off the bench. I don't want Cabby facing a righty. I don't. I thought Geo would be the option because he's been their best reliever. He faltered today, and that sucks. And that should it should cause Ollie Marmel to sort of reconsider the direction he wants to go in those situations moving forward. You have to take every game as a learning experience and you have to pick up and say, okay, what happened here that we should be aware of and, and try to, to be knowledge about, knowledgeable about for next time? That's absolutely something that you've got to do. But to say that, you know, Ali should, should be fired because he brought in his best reliever, come on. I do think Hicks would have been a better choice, though, now that I've looked at the numbers, but that's not fair of me. I wasn't doing it in the moment, so I'm not ripping Ali and saying that. I'm having a baseball conversation with 49 of my closest friends. That's all I'm doing in that spot is saying, yeah, I could have definitely made a case for it. And if you were doing it in the moment, bravo to you. I think it's. I think there's a lot of merit to that. Einstein says, I thought I, uh, Gallegos was a bad decision there because you wanted him for the seventh, not really because I thought he sucked. Really isn't Ollie's fault. One of the best relievers had a terrible day. Um, well, the seventh is when it happened there, uh, Einstein. That was the seventh. <laughs> that sounds so derogatory. I say, listen, Einstein, that's what it was. I, his name is the grave of Einstein. I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, sarcastically calling him Einstein. No, the, he, the seventh inning is when that moment took place. So if you meant like they would have wanted Geo for the eighth or the ninth, uh, probably Geo for the eighth, Helsley for the ninth would have maybe been your thought process, then I can understand that. But the way Ollie views it, and I think this is right, if that's the most important situation of the game, then you have to, you have to try to put the fire out there. And I think they made the decision that that was as high as the leverage was going to get. And it didn't go their way. And so, you know, that's kind of why I think that's maybe not the end of the world. But I get what you're saying. If you wanted Geo to be safe for the eighth, 
they bring somebody else in, though maybe there's not an eighth. But I, you could look at it and say exactly what you're saying. Jordan Hicks, and then you get Geo for the top of the lineup in the eighth, and either he pitches the ninth or Helsley does. Um, yeah, I think it would have been better, but I don't think it was so egregious that it cost the Cardinals this game, if that makes sense. And, and, and Einstein even did immediately correct himself. I should have kept reading Einstein. <laughs> yeah, the eighth would have been a, a sensible spot for Geo. Um, they, they went with him in the leverage of the seventh, and it didn't work out. Janelle says, to be fair, Gio has been pretty decent. He's been better than decent before tonight this season. But, yep, tonight was not his game. Uh, we'll go with a quick drink of water because I'm getting a little parched. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, we'll dive back, though, into the comments here. Uh, Mark is here for the first time in the chat from Atlanta. Mark? Mark C., welcome, man. I appreciate you being here. I hope you find that we'll uh, have some good Cardinals content for you down there in Atlanta for the rest of the way. Uh, He says, good show. So, Mark, hey, man, thanks for being here. Hopefully he still is around to see that comment. I regret that I get to the comments a little later than they show up, um, but sometimes I go off on a tangent and I have to keep scrolling. Um, Grave of Einstein would have been sadder about the homer if Gallegos didn't point at it. At that point, it's just funny. Yeah, that's the thing that the Cardinals relievers really do. And Jeff Jones, I saw, commented about this on Twitter. It's it's Cabby's signature move. Cabrera, anytime it's a home run or a fly ball, doesn't matter where, dude's pointing up like it's a pop-up on the infield, and it never ceases to crack me up. It really is funny. Um, but, yeah, no, if you just serve one up, man, just own that, as if the outfielder needs to know. You know, I think he's actually warning the guy in the fifth row of the bleachers to – to take cover because it's going to be a bomb. Uh, Okay. Asher says he should have gone with Hicks. So if that was my rant in in Asher, it wasn't deserved by you brother, then I apologize. But sometimes it's hard to tell. (laughs) You you send a lot of comments hot and heavy. And I thought you were articulating that Hicks was a bomb um, instead of saying you would have gone with Hicks. So if that's what you're saying, I apologize out there. My little rant earlier about Hicks, then if it wasn't directed at Asher, Let's just say it was directed at whichever Cardinal fan out there is still on the Hicks sucks train because, gosh, those people should not exist right now with the way he's pitching. Robert says, by the way, congrats on 1,000 subscribers. You do an awesome job. Love the insight. Try to watch every night. Keep up the good work. Uh, Robert, appreciate the compliment, man. Uh, Yeah, we did reach 1,000 subscribers, which is great. I'm having some trouble right now with Google to be able to sign up for uh, getting you guys to be able to do the super chats and the different things that can help support me monetarily with this show. Uh, but for now, I'm not going to stop doing it just because I'm not making money off of it. Um, eventually, I would like to get it figured out with Google. I don't. I, it, AdSense is what you sign up for, and then they might show some ads and stuff. Uh, they have rejected me to this point, and I think it's just some uh, clerical stuff that i got to work on on the back end. I, hopefully, I can figure it out. Uh, but anyway, we're still going to be here regardless, so I appreciate you guys for the support. And uh, Mark says, if we left swept, we are toast. Yeah, Cardinals cannot get swept in this series. Uh, cannot emphasize that enough. Uh, Cabrera has been cold recently, started off well, but the RA has been ballooning. Think if there's a non-Gallegos guy you want, it's Hicks. He hasn't pitched maybe as much as he should. Yeah, I can't understand why. 
maybe that's something like a, a Ryan Helsley last year where it was like he just wouldn't be used that often, and we started to kind of scratch our heads about it and come to find out, well, he was sort of saying certain days he was unavailable and Ollie was trying to respect that. I don't know that that's the case with Hicks, but I'm just trying to search for answers because it's weird, the limited amount of usage he's actually received. Spencer says, really curious what the team's stat are as a whole with the base loaded. All season, they have the base loaded. I would not be surprised if they're in the bottom 5 to 10 teams. Um, you know, I can probably look that up as we go. It's it's a little bit tough for me to do on the fly, but I'll try to do that for you, Spencer. And if I can do it as I talk here, I'll then put it into the screen so that you all can get a look at it. But right now you're looking at the Cardinals offensive stats from tonight. And I'll kind of shift that over to the pitching stats now, actually, um, to give you guys something else to peek at. If we can scroll, I did order a mouse on Amazon so I can stop trying to scroll with my broken ass trackpad. That's been killing me recently, too. Um, so you're looking at Flaherty's there, five and a third, six Ks, one run allowed. He had a nice game now, ERA down to four, five, five. But Palante, Gallegos, they they didn't do what you wanted. And then Cabby did throw a good inning, by the way, after it was already kind of out of leverage. Uh, we're up to 30 likes. Appreciate that. Subscribe to the channel. If you like Daily Cardinals content, this is the place to be. And uh, help me out, too. Even if you're never going to listen on Spotify, if you've got the app, search b Shape Daily on Spotify and follow the show and give it a five-star review over there. Um, because that's another way that I can make a little bit of money. Not much, but it helps me um, to get to get it going on Spotify. We've got a good number of followers over there, not as many as YouTube, um, but most people actually use Apple Podcasts, and so that's why I don't like talk about Apple Podcasts all the time because eh, you're already gonna gonna find the show there if you really want to listen to it. But Spotify is uh, is the place that I get a lot of analytic data, and so I like to see what the numbers look like over there. So hey, if you really want to help me out, it's all free. Subscribe on uh, Spotify, or it's called Follow over there. ADL says this is a bad team. Nothing else to say. Mo and the front office are behind the times. Clear as day. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's very interesting because there would be a way, I think, to fix a lot of the issues with the Cardinals at this trade deadline, but you'd have to be bold. You have to make some bold trades, probably trade from the major league roster, uh, trade for an ace, maybe trade a starting pitcher on an expiring contract to go get one in a separate deal that's a, a better situation or has more years of control attached. Like, I think that's an option but that would mean two trades and then maybe trade for... This may be something people disagree with. I think you trade for a bona fide outfielder under team control. If he's out there on the deadline, and start finding those guys out there, Cardinals fans, because we could talk about that in this chat. Newtbar, Walker, and then I'm an everyday Dylan kind of guy, but if he gets back and doesn't end up hitting the way that he needs to, um, you could definitely still have room for a bona fide outfielder. And Walker's no guarantee either for the rest of this year. And so if he were to, to struggle like tremendously, then you would maybe have to send him back to Memphis. Although I'd give him a pretty long leash for him to have opportunity. But like those are the kinds of things I'm thinking about. An ace starting pitcher and trade for an outfielder under team control, but only do it if the guy is bonafide. Only do it if he's a guarantee, middle of the order bat, good enough defensive outfielder. Like I set the threshold that Brian Reynolds are above. And I know that Reynolds is off the market now because the Pirates signed him to an extension but we talked about him last year. That's the caliber of player that I'm looking at. If such a name should come on the market in the outfield, I'd be looking, even though the Cardinals have all these outfielders, like Tyler O'Neill for a reliever, I think is something that could and should happen. Um, whether they can get somebody to bite on that, I don't know. Who's, who is in the market valuing an, an offensive uh, outfielder like O'Neill that could potentially have a bounce back year in the final year of team control next season? give them some power. Like there's going to be a team out there. I would do it for a rental reliever if it was the right name, which I know would be selling low on his talent, but I just think it's clear. The Cardinals aren't, aren't very high on where he is right now. 
Einstein says, I'm not really worried about this team. Problem tonight was the bullpen. Maybe the offense, if you count all the missed opportunities. I just don't really worry much about either too much. And I don't worry about the division either, Einstein, to add on to that. So I kind of agree with you. But it will get a little old to people that I keep saying that when they're eight games under. Like, if they're eight games under in, in August, ooh, I just tweaked my back. That's no good. I got to play golf on Monday, so I'm really, I'm really hoping that physically I don't get too injured just sitting here in a chair. Yeah, this is the hard work, baby. This is the hard work. Janelle says they take the division as usual. This issue is going to be against the AL teams. Yeah, I think they still can win the division, but it's you. I, I, I can only keep saying it for so long before they actually get into that sort of positioning. Brian says it was on the offense just as much as the bullpen tonight. You cannot leave 12 runners on. I agree with that. Monday morning quarterback, you think Walken Hayes, 230, 281, and 375 OPS, including tonight, was the move to make. Uh, Fly Navy 73, it was not Monday morning quarterback. You're, I, I love you, but you're wrong, actually, in this case, because I was saying it at the moment. It's always, if you're not using hindsight, if you're going to be you know adult enough to admit it in the moment and say, this is what I would do, then that's one thing. And I'm telling you, I was sitting there in the car going, surely they're going to walk Hayes. I said it out loud. My baby was asleep by then, so he didn't hear it, but... I said, they're going to walk Hayes, and then they did. And so that was not me Monday morning quarterbacking. I'll be honest with you. I've never, I don't lie about this stuff. I don't trump myself up to make my opinions look better. I'll tell you when I'm wrong. I'll tell you when I'm right. I hope you guys recognize me as that kind of, that kind of uh, writer and talker. But that's the truth. I was thinking walk Hayes. Um, I didn't know the OPS at the time. So maybe if I had seen the numbers, I wouldn't have felt that way. But in the moment, I said walk him, and they didn't. So that's. But then after that, when the next guy homers, I said, well, shoot, what's the difference? Doesn't make a difference. Mark wants to know about my thoughts on, I think he's asking about Contreras, um, but there's a little typo there. Uh, my thoughts are Contreras needs to hit. I mean, look at this, 214 and a 654. If Contreras is that guy as a hitter, the Cardinals effed up. They really screwed up signing him. That's the reality. I don't think he will remain that bad offensively, but his brother William has had a much better offensive season. So... Uh, Brandon chimes in Tyler O'Neill to the 60-day IL. I don't know if that's him reporting news to me or if he's just saying that's what they should do. I I have not seen. Da, da, da. No, I don't believe that's news. And John Denton, reading a tweet from earlier today, Ali Marmel said O'Neill underwent more testing and there were, quote, no new findings. O'Neill was told by doctors to halt activities for 10 days and then after that he will resume his rehab but there's been no new findings so why is he stopping his rehab it doesn't make any sense he's not comfortable you know he's not he's got discomfort i get it but the cardinals are kind of saying you know use the facilities or get off the pot that's sort of where we're at right now i think with tyler o'neill if you guys are here just joining the stream for the first time welcome in Subscribe to the Brendan Schaefer St. Louis Cardinals writer channel for daily Cardinals content and uh, like the stream. Once you subscribe, by the way, in 60 seconds, you'll be able to join the live chat. Let me know. We've had a couple of new people tonight already. Let me know that they are here for the first time. And I appreciate those folks for coming out to the party. Tyler says this is a main predictable team I've seen in my life. Easy to pitch to and defend against. And that's following analytics. hundred percent is going to get you. Yeah, I think you do have to pay mind to analytics because that's all it means is information. More information is better than less, but you also have to contextualize it. So I understand it can be frustrating at times for fans that say, ah, they don't really have a feel for the game. They're just looking at the analytics. But I'm a guy that does value the analytics. I think it's a good thing to be on the 
the cutting edge of that information. But the Cardinals are not cutting edge when it comes to analytics. I think they've, they had gotten behind, and now they're kind of playing catch-up. Um, and maybe this year have found that they don't 100% know how to commit to it properly because a lot of what they did early on was like, oh, we're going to platoon, we're going to maximize those matchups. But then I feel like players got out of sorts and didn't really maybe know their place in their role, which uh, that's where old-school baseball comes into play. As a manager, you've got to be able to massage not necessarily the egos, but just the personalities of a clubhouse and make sure you've got everybody on the same page, especially when you're going to cater to some more new age ideas about how to run a club. And I think the Cardinals maybe got themselves caught up a little bit in, in, in between on some of those things early on. Tyler said, if you're going to leave a busload of guys on base half the innings, bunt more, steal more, quit being timid and predictable. I'm not a bunt more kind of guy, but I also think, yeah, I mean, they, they've got to make contact and they just continue to leave guys on. They have done more bunting. Like they've bunted more over the past few weeks than I have seen a Cardinals team bunt in years. And I, I think it was a an intentional thing that they started doing. I don't know how much I agree with it, but it's definitely happened some, Tyler, but tonight was not really part of it. How does it happen that DeYoung goes past season, gets his swing up to smash level, kills it for three weeks, and then just falls off? He does this over and over again. Michael, he does do it over and over again, and he wouldn't be in the lineup for me um, if he continues this for much longer. But I'll say this, he didn't have a bad night tonight. He was one for three with a walk before having that kind of seeing eye single down the right field line. So he was on base three times tonight, but you are frustrated by the two strikeouts, and I don't think he needs to play every day, Um, especially if you could get some more healthy guys in the outfield to where you didn't need Edmund out there. I would do a lot more of playing Edmund at shortstop, but he hasn't played there in a while, and they have let Paul DeYoung kind of run with that, that role. But I do think there are signs right now that his offense is kind of declining, even if he had a nice night tonight, according to the box score. Why does Contreras continue to hit fifth? It is a great question. It's just like Yachty hitting fifth all those years uh, when his offensive production had sort of fallen off the pace. I feel like you've got to consider moving Contreras down. You know, he wants to be considered like a veteran staple, and they consider him that way, but the numbers are the numbers. It's the way it is. Matt wants to know no solid pitching in the farm system. I don't agree with that. They brought up Libertor. Uh, Michael McGreevy has a sub-3 ERA in AAA. Um. They've got uh, Gordon Graceffo, but he's not quite ready. Dakota Hudson's healthy again, pitching in AAA, but not quite ready. Um, and maybe not that guy. Not to, I'm not going to trump up Dakota Hudson too much. He's got a lot of proving it to do, kind of in the Paul DeYoung category when it comes to just being considered back and good to go. And then uh, who else have they got? Well, Zach Thompson is down there in AAA um, trying to become a starter. So I think they've got solid pitching, Matt. I, I just don't think that, you know, Relief-wise, they're, they're maybe as deep right now in the minors. That could be a fair criticism. They've got guys, Jake Walsh. They, I don't think they released Andrew Suarez. Like, if you wanted to come up with a couple of guys, but they also don't need lefties necessarily. I mean, Cabrera did his job tonight, So, and Matt's is going to remain in the bullpen. You can't DFA him with all the money that you owe him. So I don't really know what the move is. Like, you used your best reliever tonight. You're not going to get rid of Gallegos, right? I mean, if you think that they should... We, we disagree on that, so it's just, it is what it is tonight. It didn't didn't work out, but it, it, in terms of, like, replacing guys in the bullpen, I just don't think realistically there's a lot of spots that are malleable right now in the Cardinals' bullpen, to be totally honest with you. Uh, wisdom is a guy like DeYoung is a guy, but I understand your overall point. From Rafflecopter, yeah, I get you. I get you that it's not like we, can, we should, like, be weeping in our Cheerios about Pat, Patrick Wisdom going elsewhere and having success. But my point is when it comes to, like, a Luke and Baker type, 
and they just refuse to give him a chance. And it's like, you may never know that this guy, I mean, if he's hitting for a thousand OPS in Memphis, I know he hasn't done it for more than just this year. He's been kind of subpar in other years, which is how he lost his pedigree as a prospect. If he ever had any speaking of Luke and Baker, uh, but at the same time, like if the numbers are the numbers, wouldn't you want to see how it looks just for a brief spell? And if you had a, a one through nine just humming and you had whole, everybody healthy and there was no reason to do it, that's a different story. They don't. Alec Burleson's taking DH at bats. You know, I would honestly send Burleson down, not because I think they have all these outfielders that they can afford to do it, but because he's not doing well at the big league level. And I don't think it helps his development to be on the bench but they can't really afford to send him down because he's that left-handed hitting outfielder that they don't have too many of right now um, in terms of, I mean, I guess they do if Donovan and Edmund are, but you get my point. You get my point. Janelle mentions uh, Graceffo, Cooper Jerpy, and Tink Hentz as minor leaguers in the farm system pitchers, um, but I think Jerpy's on the IL and Hentz just recently came off of it. And none of those guys are ready for the big leagues either. Um, but if you're talking about like potential trade chips, I mean, any of those guys could conceivably be that if the pitching is weak, concentrate on getting nine gold gloves. Anyone not a plus defender is off the roster. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's, I understand your point, but like, you're not going to take Jordan Walker off the roster just because he's not a gold glover. He could be one of the best hitters in the game. Um, like is, is it, I don't think a gold glover is Nolan Gorman. He might be a plus defender by now though. I don't need to minimize him as a defender. Uh, Mosaic dragging his feet on the roster moves reminds me of when I got the best weapon in a video game and never use it because I'm scared to lose it. <laughs> he says, I want to shit on him, but I kind of understand it. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear you there. Like if you, if you are holding the best weapon and you die with it in your video game, then you're, you lose that weapon. Um, reminds me of like a runescape sort of thing. That's really aging myself. I feel like a little bit, if anybody knows that computer game from back in the day. Um, but yeah, I think, but, but honestly, Einstein, I think, Moselec can't have that mindset. He's got to not be gun shy, literally gun shy when it comes to making these moves, because oftentimes the worry and the risk over losing it, the thing that you might end up losing is something you didn't value in the first place. Like stashing a guy at AAA, if you never get to unleash that weapon, what good is it actually to have it? You might as well just find out whether or not you're going to keep it or lose it and then know how to manage your roster or your arsenal from then on to, to use the video game analogy gonna take a quick drink because I'm, I'm catching myself kind of falling off the pace a little bit i try to go here for like an hour and a half hour 45 with you guys and i think tonight we're probably gonna end up hitting that mark because we still got 50 people watching which is giving me another opportunity to say if you guys appreciate content like this about the st louis cardinals i not to toot my horn i just don't think there are that many people out there doing what i've been doing this season and time will tell whether i have the uh, the willpower and the just the, the sheer strength to keep this up because it does take a lot out of you. But for now, we're doing it. We're talking Cardinals baseball for pretty much a daily basis, whether, whether it's with a live stream or in like a 45 minutes, hour long podcast that you can find on YouTube or Spotify. So if you guys enjoy it, please do subscribe to the channel, like and help me out in any way that you can. That doesn't cost you money. Like if you want to join the Patreon, that's a way that you can help me out monetarily. But I'm just asking for you to do this, the free stuff that really does help me uh, to to keep on trucking here. Asher says they really do need to be sellers at the deadline. I'm sorry to say, Brendan, but this team is going nowhere. Pitching, management, bullpen, even the four guys in the lineup are sure outs every time they come up. Don't care how many games back they are. Not a team who can come back from a three-game deficit. They're awful. I don't think they're awful. I think their record is awful. I mean, if this is their record, then that you're going to be right at the end of the year. If, that, if the winning percentage... And I can check this now with their standings. 
uh, you know, they've got a 431 winning percentage, so I can do 162 times, uh, what did I just say, 431. You can see there 207 was in my Google search history. I don't know if that showed up on the screen or not, um, but I did this exact mathematical equation for the Oakland A's the other day because they're on pace to lose like 128 games or something ridiculous like that. Um, the Cardinals, as you can see on your screen there, I think it's showing are on pace for a not so nice 68.9 or 69.8 wins. I, I butchered the joke. Uh, yes, yeah, 69.8. So they're about a 70 win team as of right now and not even quite there. If that's what they do, then you'll be right about everything that you said. I maintain the Cardinals will like if, if again, I'm not betting on anything. We're not really betting, but in, in just terms of like a hypothetical live stream, little friendly wager, if you let me go over under 70 wins, I don't even care what the odds are. I'm taking the over because I, I just believe the team is better than what they've showed. And honestly, I think they're about what they've showed over the past month or I was eh, not month because early May was when a lot of that Contreras stuff was still going on. I'll say over the past three and a half weeks, when since the end of the 10 and 24, they've gone 15 and nine. I think they're about that kind of team. Maybe not quite to that level, but I think that's what they've been over their past 24 is about what they are relative to when they were 10 and 24. You might completely disagree with me on that, and I, I wouldn't be able to like disprove you. Your opinion is no less valid than mine, but I think they're a winning team. And so if they continue to win games at, at a rate that they have over the past 24 games, they're going to be a, a plus 500 team at the end of the season. I think they will be still. I can understand your skepticism because there are flaws with this team. There are flaws, there are flaws, there are flaws. I have seen signs of some of those flaws coming around. I think Michaelis is going to be better the rest of the way. I think Jordan, uh, well, Jordan Hicks, yes. I think Jack Flaherty, as we saw tonight, is going to continue to be solid the rest of the way. I absolutely am taking the under on Adam Wainwright if it's an ERA compared to where he is now. What is it, 615? I'll bet the farm on the under, man. I think he's going to end up being fine. If you don't agree, there's no like basis I have other than we've seen this show in this movie before. I'm still not out on Adam Wainwright. If I'm right, that's three. And then you need a Libertor to be able to come through, and you need Jordan Montgomery. He was their best pitcher the first few weeks of the season, talking about Monty. So if you get him back to even close to where he was, you could see the rotation be not great, but you could see the rotation be not the thing that would hold this team back. That's I'm not asking for a high bar to clear at this point, and I think they could reach that point of just being not, not the bar to clear, right? And so we'll see if they're able to end up coming up with that or not. But I just look at the division. I look at the, the roster and just say, eh, the Cardinals are too good to to continue to be in the, the spot that they're in. So we'll see. We'll see who's right on it. But I don't believe this team loses 90 games, which is why that right now I don't agree that you become a seller. And I don't think that Cardinals fans should live with them being a seller. I don't think you should find that acceptable as a Cardinals fan. Don't let them off the hook. This team needs to be contending. Like, I, I get people are, are pragmatic enough to want to see better for the future, but I just don't think fans in early June should be letting this this front office off the hook, to be totally honest with you. They don't deserve they don't deserve you to just fall into line and say, hey, sell. Maybe you're doing it out of anger, but don't do it out of pragmatism. Not yet. If it gets to late July and they're way under 500, then that's a conversation. But it should be a different front office at that point that allows that uh, – that sell job and that rebuild to take place. You, uh, John Mozeliak's not getting fired, but it needs to be John Mozeliak going, I need to step down. If this team loses 90 some odd games this year, I, need, I just need to step down at that point. 
because I'm, you know, I'm not the one that's going to end up seeing this rebuild through. It doesn't have to be a long rebuild. Even if they did lose 90 games, they they should be expecting to contend immediately next year. But they also shouldn't. There should be no excuse to lose 90 games. Not for this Cardinals team. Too talented, in my opinion. Janelle says, "I honestly don't see how the Cardinals get around not making move at the deadline. They don't have a choice." Yeah, but Mo needs to not be gun shy with those moves, and it could end up that he makes the Cardinals worse for doing it, but you got to try. You got to try. You cannot continue to sit in this middle. You know, if 3 million through the turnstiles is truly the only thing that matters, then I guess you can because the Cardinals fans will keep showing out. They're a good fan base, but they deserve more than just kind of saying, well, I think if we maybe hold Pat, we can, we can win 81 games. What if that were to win the division? Try or don't. Well, actually, let's go with the Yoda move. Uh, there is no try, only do. Just do it. Shia LaBeouf, just do it. I mean, make some moves to try to get to the playoffs this year. Or, you know what? Sell if you want to, but I just think Cardinals fans shouldn't shouldn't stand for that. But Ryan says, Mo will never be held accountable. All our fans want is accountability, and that is non-existent. When you mean accountable, what do you mean by that, though? Because if accountability, and the only way you find it is by Bill DeWitt putting him out you know, to pasture and making him do the walk of shame, like in Game of Thrones or something, then you're not going to get that. But if accountability looks like Bill DeWitt saying, hey, you know, we need to reassess at the end of the season what this looks like, and if Mo's heart is not in fixing this team for a five-year stretch, Mo, love you, but maybe now's the time where we really do start to expedite the process that was already going to be in place anyway of you handing over some of the reins to whoever the next in command is going to be, whether it's Gersh or more likely, in my opinion, Randy Flores, uh, who right now is the scouting director, runs the draft. Whatever that is, you know, I, I, fans say accountability. What I think they mean is they want they want a head on a silver platter, and that's not what they're going to get. But I, I think there is accountability in terms of everybody is talking about the failings right now of this team. It's not like media and people aren't talking about it. Um, I'm sitting here telling you that I still think it's going to be all right, but that's me doing a prediction. That's not me telling you it's been great so far. And so I, I think, yes, it's been problematic, and it's up to John Mozeliak and and frankly, nobody else to fix it. Like, Ollie Marmel has to be part of the process that fixes it, but Mo is the guy who his name and his legacy is on the line with this. Um, he's still going to have a positive legacy at the end of it all, but the sour ending to it would be unfortunate as he's kind of just a couple of years from from being out the door. This would not be the way that you want to end it if you're Mo, and you cannot get gun-shy when, when trying to protect that legacy. Like, go do it. Go be active, and that's not really always been his... Forte. It's always been to be pragmatic, sit back, and let the market come to you. I think they need to jump the market. Greg Palermo puts it right here. Nobody seems like they're going to, quote, jump the market on being sellers on the, the, the trade market. So why not make a baseball trade that helps both teams still in contention? Greg, I couldn't agree more. Has Mo ever done it? I mean, okay, 2011, the Rasmus trade was a baseball trade. It worked out. So, like, I don't want to act like he's never done it. Um, they've made moves before the, uh, the trade for John Lackey, when they give up Alan Craig, that was, they were on death's door when it came to that Craig contract, because he was clearly broken at that point after the, uh, the foot injury, the uh, list Frank, I believe it was for Craig. So like he's done things before in season. It's just, it's been a while. And I think the trade they need this year is bigger than that. It's bigger than trading away Rasmus for a, a merry band of misfits that is going to going to happen to gel together with the team. It's bigger than just dumping a Craig contract for a for a, an, an older pitcher that 
happens to have a clause in his contract where he's got to pitch for you for like a dollar for the next season um, because of the the injury he suffered with Boston. Talking about John Lackey. Like, it's different than that. And so you've got to make a true baseball trade or two, and I don't know if Mo is up to the task of that. I'd like to think so, and I think he's a very good executive. I know people always, always, always hating on Mo. Let's be real. Since Mo took over, they have never had a losing season. Ever. 2007, he took over after the Walt Jockety losing season. And then since then, unless I'm missing something, it's never happened. So for as much as it's fair to criticize Mosellock's regime, especially in recent years, I, I, I still have to be fair to the track record. But do I think he is in a position now where I'm expecting him to jump the market and make a good old baseball trade? I don't know. I haven't seen it from him in a while. It's not been his skill set. And in this offseason, he got played a little bit when it came to Sean Murphy. The A's knew the Cardinals needed a catcher, and they said, let's ask for the moon. You know, And then Mo shot back with what he would trade for, and then they, they saw those talks fell apart. And the Cardinals, just deathly afraid of not getting a catcher at all to replace Yachty, they pay for Contreras a, a very hefty sum. And I think Contreras is a nice player if he could get the bat right. But they got played a little bit because Sean Murphy went for a song. You know, they picked up Asteri Ruiz, who's a very exciting player because he can steal 80 bags, but he's not a, not an all-star under most circumstances. Um, and Sean Murphy may have made a difference for this team, you know, offensively and defensively over Contreras. I like Contreras. I want it to work out for Contreras, but I can admit that the Cardinals basically bid against themselves a little bit for fear that they would miss out, and that's not the first time they've done that, so it's worth bringing up. Real quick with a drink, and we'll be right back. Taking another quick opportunity to uh, ask the 50 folks still with us. Man, I love how active our stream has been tonight. Gotta love Friday nights. Um, to subscribe to this channel for daily Cardinals content if you enjoy it. And then head on over on your phone, pull up another tab, and and search b Shafe Daily on Spotify. B-S-C-H-A-E-F-F Daily. And uh, give us a follow over there for daily Cardinals content too. It's going to be the same video most of the time. Same uh, podcast over there. But I will begin, especially once it's monetized on here. Uh, it's not to say I'm being lazy because I'm doing this every day pretty much with you guys. But I'll also begin to just do separate like 10, 15-minute videos if there's a topic that comes up throughout the day. I'll put one up if I know I can make a couple bucks from it. Right now, it's just hard to find the time and the motivation when I know at night I'm going to be doing two, three hours of content with y'all. So um, subscribe, though, because I'm I'm just looking to continue building this thing up, and it helps me out. Janelle says I could be wrong, but weren't they like 10 games back last season before the All-Star break? Yeah, they were back. They were back by uh, by a decent by a decent margin. Um, we used to see the double steals. It's been a while. Lack of situational hitting is frustrating. Yeah, B. Wells is correct about that. Situational hit, uh, hitting has been has been rough. Asher now correcting everything that I said. I've, I've reached that point in the comments where he said, that's not what I said. I said put in Hicks. Uh, you kept saying Gio or Cabby. I was getting to Hicks, uh, but again, the comments end up getting a little bit lost and stuff. But yep, we've already cleared that up, so I won't spend too much time on this. But Mark does agree that Hicks has been great. Never really understood firing coaches or managers for some decisions, yes, but at the same time, you're paying players a lot of money to do a job. Marmel isn't on the bump or in the batter's box. That's from Brian, and I agree with him. <laughs> Asher gets so mad, bro. I misinterpreted the comment. I know that I did, but you don't have to, like, you have to lose it. <laughs> James... James liked to say, be safe, not effing around tonight. Got that dog in you. That's funny. That's funny. It was over a misunderstanding with Asher, but it is funny. Um, 
And it, but the answer, Asher, as to why they don't put a lefty in the matchup is the one that I just said. Um, I've repeated it a couple of times. You could put a lefty on the mound. What are they going to do? They're going to bring a righty in off the bench. And so it's exactly the same situation in reverse. And Cabby is not as good of a pitcher as Gaia goes for the season. And so you trust Gio more to face a lefty than you do Cabby to face a righty. And that's the reason for it. Hicks would have been a great answer. That would be something different. Will Matt's be good in the bullpen from Mark? I think, yes, he will be. Um, Landon says, I knew he'd be good, but damn, didn't realize it was that good for Hicks. Yeah, it's been crazy, man. It's been wild how good he's been. I didn't even realize it was that good, too, because I kind of forgot about the Guardians' appearance for two innings over the weekend. The Grave of Einstein says, as a Hicks believer, anytime they want to use Gallegos the rest of the series, you should use Hicks, really. Let him have a few days for the mental and give Hicks a chance. I agree with that. I do. Adam says maybe they're bad, too. When he's speaking about uh, no upper management, will not admit the team is bad, but they have had a scratch on their heads for two months with Modder, Contreras situation, Mats, Barrera, etc. Maybe they are bad, too, speaking of the upper management. Yeah, they've made some boneheaded decisions this year or have made some decisions that were maybe fine on its on its face, but they communicated them so poorly, the messaging was so bad that we end up going, all right, this is another laughing stock situation. And Jordan Walker is another one of them. Tyler asked my thoughts on the Walker situation. Um, I've talked about it recently with the idea of, oh, is he really ignoring what the Cardinals wanted to do with the swing? He wasn't. Um, I don't think it was as much as uh, we should have made as much about the comments as we did. But when you see the guy on camera saying what he said, yeah, he was going into the batter's box and saying, I can't be focusing on that stuff in the batter's box. And that's true. But does that mean that when he's in the batting cage and the Memphis hitting coach says, hey, work on doing this, get out in front of the ball more, this is what we want to focus on? I, no, I think that's legitimate. And by getting out in front of the ball more, it will lead you to hit fewer ground balls and more balls in the air. And actually, Derek Gould had a nugget that it was actually, believe it or not, of all people, Taylor Motter that had first mentioned to him about trying to get out in front on the ball. And so I don't know you know, the all of the origin story behind that, but Motter may have given him that tip that that helped and was something that he was down there working on with the Memphis hitting coach. So I don't think Walker was basically saying the Cardinals want me to, to hit the ball in the air, but I'm just going to not. I'm going to try to hit it, you know, how I'm comfortable. That's not really what happened, but I, I think ultimately what he was kind of detailing there was he can't be focusing on these changes when he's in the batter's box in a game because he was overthinking it and it was causing him to not hit the ball at all. And so rather than just not hit the ball at all for fear that you're not going to hit it enough in the air – just hit the ball and and you'll hit some air. You hit some balls in the air, and if you can get your swing out front and connect with the ball out front, you're going to get more loft on it, which is ultimately what he's trying to do. So Tyler, that's kind of my thought process there. Tim says mostly just confused at how the team's three parts can't all work together. Rotation's getting better. Hitters got some runs on the board. Bullpen throws it away. But I would also add that the hitters did not do their job in the later innings. If you only score in one inning of a baseball game, I don't care how many innings you how many runs you score in that inning. You didn't do your job as an offense because especially tonight when you leave 12 on base and you had opportunities in those other innings, that still is a, a cross that the offense has to bear tonight where if they do their job beyond one inning out of nine, they win this game. Uh, again, you shouldn't give up a six-run seventh, but you should be able to score in more than one inning in a nine-inning game. And that's where they kind of rested on their laurels a little bit. Even when they were getting walks and taking their walks, Nobody was going to be the guy with the big swing in the later or the mid to late innings to, to make sure they got this win. And that was the problem tonight. Asher said, I'm good. Um, at the time, I was saying Gio or Cabby. 
he was trying to emphasize Hicks instead. It's just hard to read the comments. But Ashford, I'm I'm glad we had this uh, the powwow to make up. Uh, seems there are different things coming from management and the players. And Tyler, uh, hopefully, I, I'm sure you're referring to uh, Jordan Walker with that comment. Hopefully, what I just explained about Walker makes a little bit of sense in that context, though. B. Wells asks if there's a certain time I do the live streams. I've searched on a few days and I weren't on. Some days I haven't done them, B. Uh, I, I end up posting the podcast. It'll be on YouTube. I would check every morning. If you don't see me at night, check it whenever you wake up, and you'll probably see there's a new YouTube video up that's like 45 minutes to an hour long or so, and that's probably the podcast. It wasn't live, but I do I do still record. But I just don't go live every night. I, I kind of pick and choose when I expect y'all to be on, to be honest with you, because there are nights where if the game was an early game and it didn't go very well, but there was nothing like controversial to talk about, I just assume, like, I've done lives this week where there was, like, 40 people, like, total. And it's, it's not that it's bad, but I spend two hours and, and don't end up getting very many views. So I just kind of like to record on those nights. So I pick and choose. I'll go live a few nights a week. Um, the, the, the more, I say profitable, the more exciting the lives are with a lot of comments, the more of them I'll do. But uh, if you don't see me at night, put on your notifications on YouTube. But if you don't see me, just check in the morning. There should usually be a new video up. And that time I went too long between sips of water and I almost almost choked on camera. So, whew. Uh, the grave of Einstein. In good news, I suppose, despite the control issues, Palante threw 98.4, 98.4, 98.3, 98.6 on his fastball. All of those are faster than anything he's thrown previously. Yeah, he does not look like a guy throwing 98. Like, and not, to, not as a slight on him. He's just like, he looks like a normal guy, but he is a world-class athlete and he, he can get it up there. So that is good to see from Palante. I wonder, I wonder if his future is still maybe in the rotation. I was impressed kind of what with what he did last year, um, but maybe he's maybe just figures it out as a reliever and throws ninety eight. That could also be a benefit. But yeah, struggled tonight. Uh, Einstein thought that his fastballs broke more arm side than usual tonight. His secret sauce has been that the four seamer is a cutter in disguise. So maybe he's tooling around. Yeah, he's probably always kind of working with different things, and that's the cutter is what makes him effective, I think, against those lefties too. And so that's why they've maybe used him in that capacity. But tonight, got out of the sixth, as we mentioned. It, it got rough for him in the seventh. Ryan says that Walker doesn't need to change his swing. Again, baseball is 90% mental. The Cardinals front office continues messing with the mentality of our players, and the results speak for themselves. And I would say this. I get why they want him to get more on the in the air than on the ground because it's it produces more power. But don't we always hear with young prospects, especially guys who are 20, 21 years old like he is, don't we always hear like, oh, when he grows into his power, look out. Like, why don't they give Walker the chance to grow into his power? Why does he have to do it right now and start hitting for power? It'd be nice if it happened, but like that's something that sometimes you can only learn at the big league level through trial and error. So I don't love the way they treated him. I don't. And it's not, I'm not saying they blamed him for their losses or anything, but they also basically said, you're the easiest thing we can change right now because we, we need to play these other guys in the outfield because defensively, Walker's not quite there yet, which I think is reality. And the other part of it is that they, you know, if they didn't think they had everyday playing time for him, he's too young of a prospect to be not playing every day. So they had to just kind of go with that. Um, but I don't agree with it. I say if you if you had the wherewithal and the belief in him to bring him up in the beginning, you don't send him down. Um, but it, the past is in the past. Just don't let it happen again, Cards. That's what I would say. Allison says, hey, I know I'm late, babysitting the younger cousins. Devastated on how the game turned out, but Iowa, 
got the win, almost pulled the Cardinals. The college baseball win for the Hawkeyes, and, and Ryan adds a go Hawkeyes. So there you go. Uh, I make fun of Iowa football because their offense is abysmal to watch, um, but it's all out of love. On the radio show, we do – that's kind of a trope of our radio show that it's like Iowa, their offensive ability in football is very difficult to watch, but they're usually still like a pretty competitive team. Uh, Joe says, same, uh, same shit, different day slash week. Um, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Einstein, now we're talking a little college baseball. Been having fun watching college baseball. The NCAA tournament has been a banger so far this year. And uh, James says, be safe. This is the first time I ever wholeheartedly agree with you. Trade for a starting pitcher and an outfielder, literally. Hey, maybe with James, I have now uh, exited like the uh, the bottom four media members of St. Louis. What do you think, James? <laughs> we, we, we moving up in the world, perhaps? Uh, a lot of Iowa Hawkeyes talk. And uh, Einstein says the Cardinals should draft Dylan Cruz if he falls to them. Just saying. Yeah, it'll be getting to be draft time here in a little bit. Daniel wants to know why the central divisions on both leagues are the worst divisions of baseball. Market sizes, or is it uh, just something more so than not being east and west? Yeah, I mean, the Midwest of the country does have smaller markets outside of Chicago. Uh, so maybe there's something to that. But, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think in the, the east and west, you know you're going to have the power players. And money is being spent by those teams. Typically, it's the Dodgers. It's the Padres. Um, on the East Coast, the New York teams are always spending, especially with Steve Cohen now owning the Mets. And the Braves just happen to be on the East Coast as a team that is just really, really well run. Like, for years, the Cardinals were the model org. The Braves have really kind of overtaken the Cardinals in the way that they are uh, running their development system and then signing guys to early contracts and, d- and doing it, it seems like, with players that are worthy. So uh, it's a really good question. Daniel, I don't have a great answer for it, unfortunately. Um, but I think it's just kind of ebbs and flows of the game. Like you'll find you'll find the the teams in the AL Central that are kind of building. You know those Tigers should be able to come around here before long, and and they've just had a lot of teams that have kind of tanked in recent years. The Royals are terrible; they just can't, they're badly run. So there's only ten teams in the two Centrals combined, and when you look at a handful of them and say, "Oh, they're badly run," the Reds are badly run over the years. The Royals have been badly run in recent years. You're kind of it's slim pickings for finding good teams, and when the Cardinals are a down team, the way they have sort of been not down, like they're still making the playoffs, but down by their standards, then that's one bonafide team in those divisions that isn't getting it done. And the Guardians are another that has been a pretty well-run org uh, comparatively when, when you consider the small market, and they, they aren't really winning right now either. So that does make it a little bit tricky. But, Daniel, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting thing to notice. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm scrolling here to try to find the comments. Um, let's see. Ryan is talking about KU, so we're absolutely scrolling past that because we we don't talk about them. <laughs> um, the middle infield is playing the outfield right now. Joe finds that amusing, and, and so do I. Uh, we're talking about Aiden Miller. Don't have a lot to say about the draft just yet. Slim Hot Pocket does appreciate the RuneScape reference. I still play, he says. Um, I haven't played in a while, but a couple years ago, I got back into it for like a minute there. Um, Allison, we don't want to talk about Rock Chalk, but I, I still love you. Um, plan on bringing younger cousins to Bush for a game this summer, weekday or weekend, trying to decide which would be the best environment to get them excited about baseball. If you want to get excited, it's a it's a Saturday afternoon when the weather is nice, and that can kind of hard, be hard to predict, Allison. Sunday afternoon could work as well. Uh, but some of those weekday games, like Friday night could be good as well, depending on what bedtime is for the cousins. Um, but day games on the weekend typically is going to be the way to go. The weekday games just I, they don't fill up. I tell you, I go to most of the weekday games, um, and they it a lot of times it's not a full crowd, which is just the reality I think of you know society at this point in time. 
Um, people have other things to do in the summer sometimes, and and baseball's got a way to go to kind of figure out when to how to maximize. And certainly the Cardinals had a lot going on for them last year with Yachty and and uh, Albert in their retirements, but uh, there's not as much right now to just demand that you go to the ballpark on those weekdays. Um, and I also I don't personally like the 6:45 start times because I can't get there as early with my radio show that gets done at six. Uh, but I will say, you know, for young families, if you're trying to worry about bedtime, they at least have that for you. That 6:45 is a little better than 7:15, and it's a shorter game now. So like two and a half hours is pretty much what you're going to get most of the time because of the pitch clock, which ultimately has been a good change. I didn't think I would love it, but I'm I'm down with it. Um, please do subscribe to the channel. I'm going to take a quick drink of water and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll read the rest of the comments and probably get out of here in the next 10 to 15. This has been a pretty productive live stream and I, I get it because we've been going for almost two hours and it's not even midnight yet. Some of the nights when they're playing at home, I end up having to do it late if I do it because I'm at the game covering the game. I'm usually riding and so it's tougher. On the road games, it's easier to do these. And so just for, for folks who were asking earlier, when do I do these? It does kind of depend on Homer Road as well. Um, Slim Hot Pocket was disappointed with the fan attendance today. Made the blow that much worse to have such little company in misery. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard, though. I mean, there are Cardinals fans everywhere, but to expect that you're going to dominate at a road facility is not always going to happen. But I hear you there, Slim. Fly Navy says they Cardinals can win the division with an 80-82 and 82 record. MLB adjusted the rules for the 2024. Any division winner with a losing record no longer qualifies automatically and the top three wild card qualifiers advance. Um, I don't know if Navy is saying they actually did that or they should do that. I don't believe that that has happened, um, but that would be something. Grave of Einstein doesn't want to say his college team, but just know we suck this year and are behind the times data-wise. Um, Einstein, now you have to tell me who your college team is. I want to know. Joe said we don't want to be sellers, but maybe that'll be the finally thing uh, something to change the way they think about building the roster. I hear you, Joe. For for Cardinals fans who have said, yeah, it's great to be a, a slightly winning team every year, but then if you end up never being able to get over that mountaintop over the past decade, even though you've had good competitive teams most years, maybe they do need kind of a kick in the pants to say, hey, if, if it gets so bad this summer that you got to sell, that might force them in the future to kind of make some different decisions about things. I could see that thought process. I just think this year with Wayno and Goldie and Arenado in there, those two hitters in their primes and Wayno's last year, and you've got Gorman's, you know, coming out party and, and the resurgence of DeYoung in some ways, and you've still got a good bat with, with DeYoung, or pardon me, with uh, Donovan and Edmund. Like, you've got pieces here that this team should be good enough to supplement the deadline and win. So I that's why I say don't settle for it. But I understand Joe's point of, like, at some point, it would be nice to see the Cardinals get out of kind of this mid-ground of, yeah, they're going to win 85 games, but what are they going to do besides that? That's fair. Um, let's see. What is a baseball trade right now? Joe, I think it's a, I think for the Cardinals, it's like trading a Montgomery or like trading a short-term asset for a, a prospect and then turning around and trading somebody like a hitter off the major league roster or two. Um, and I'm not advocating trading Edmund or Donovan, but like Yepes, Burleson or guys that could be moved. Um, you, you trade Tyler O'Neill could be in a package. You trade some guys like that and you get yourself a pitcher or, uh, you know, an outfielder that you really do feel good about. Even if those other guys could be better with their new teams and you could come to regret it, you got to make those kinds of moves to, to shake up the vibe of a team at a certain point, I think. So I think that's what they, what we mean when we say a baseball trade, honestly. 
talking a lot of college. I'm going to kind of scroll past that, but I appreciate that you guys are having a good conversation about some of it um, within the game. I just don't know about it. I haven't followed it closely enough to comment. ADL says, at what point are the people held accountable for this? They're the ones who put up the World Series trophy out of the park. If that's their brand, why is this acceptable? If I do my job poorly, I get fired. Uh, Moselock didn't put up the World Series thing. And actually, I think it was opening day that he was on the field and we were talking to him on opening day. And somebody asked, like, how often does he see that, that World Series statue in Ballpark Village? He said, honestly, I don't really ever see it. That's a, that's a bad Mo impression, but trying to lighten the mood a little bit. He says he doesn't really ever look at it because his office doesn't face that. He's on the other side and doesn't walk that route. He never sees it, and he didn't put it up. That's that. you got to realize that baseball operations, the people running the team and making the baseball decisions, are not the promotions department, are not the branding department, are not the business department. The people that decided to put that up in BPV knew that it would be a good photo op opportunity, and it wasn't John Moselec that made that decision. I know that can be kind of hard to parse out mentally, but that's the reality of it. Joe mentions Cardinal legend Taylor Motter. If he turns uh, Jordan Walker into the you know the next best with uh, that little tip about getting out in front, then yeah, we, he'll, he'll probably wear a red jacket someday. Ivan says the lack of situational hitting has been an issue for years now. I thought it was a Jeff Albert thing. Mr. AKA can't handle the pressure from fans and media's fault. But yeah, it wasn't Jeff Albert, guys. It's not often the hitting coach either. It's the collection of players that have got to adjust their approach. That's kind of my view on that and always has been. This is not a new thought for me. Glenn says trading for a big outfield bat is the way to go. If we're going to win it by slugging our way to it, I agree that you got to outslug these teams. But pitching is a bust, and the cards are better off accepting that and counteracting it with consistent slug. You do have to have a couple of ace pitchers and, and a decent bullpen, though. But I think that you can get away with a mediocre rotation if you have a stud bullpen and a, a slugging lineup. Because it's okay to slug your way to wins, but you still have to be able to hold leads late in games. To me, that is the modern way of baseball is if our starters only go all five innings, so be it. Because we've got a dynamite bullpen that's going to come in and save the day. And we've got slugging guys who can hit the ball out of the park. Like That is the modern way of baseball. And so if your starting rotation is what it is, and for the Cardinals right now it seems to be, load up on relievers. I don't think that would be a bad way at the trade deadline. You never want to pay relievers because you're always going to pay too much. But trade for the ones that are elite at the deadline, get multiple, and then trade for a slugger in the outfield. That could be the way to go. So what if your guys only go five innings? You have studs in your bullpen. That can be a way the Cardinals succeed, and I wouldn't necessarily mind that as a strategy by this team, honestly. But again, another part of that is the, the willingness to be able to go out into the market and get those elite relievers and, and figure out how to bring them to your team and be willing to pay the price. Uh, still a good amount of viewers here. Need three more likes to get to 40, I believe, in us. I think we can do it. What do I think about Ollie bringing in Geo? Basically, I've talked a lot about that, Jack, but I kind of believe that um, he's your best pitcher, and so if you're going to lose in that situation in high leverage, lose with your best. Um, Hicks would have been a good option, I think, as well. If you would have brought in a lefty like Cabrera, Derek Shelton is a savvy manager. He would have pivoted to Rodolfo Castro or Connor uh, Joe off his bench. And so I feel like you wouldn't necessarily have had that lefty-lefty mashup that you were dreaming of if you were somebody that thought, hey, bring in Cabby. So that's kind of my thought on on that with Gio. Uh, Labor 88 slightly disagrees about putting the blame on the offense. For me, though, it is 12 left on base. you got to think about it. And, Brian, that is King James that's in here. It's Anthony. Uh, we're moving up. B-Shay for sure going up, man. Yes, Brian, King James from Hot Take Central um, on 590 The Fan. Great show. Great show. Uh, James 
not into uh, Burleson with with the comment there that that James made. Um, ADL wants me to stop defending Ollie. He's awful. He needs to be fired along with Bo Zalock. Yeah, I hear you. It's not how I feel, but I respect your I respect your opinion. And you're not alone, ADL, in thinking that way for sure. Thank you. We got up to 40 likes just like right after I asked for that. So you guys are the best. Um, Feast for famine again. Damn it all. That's from Steven. One offensive inning for us, if nothing else. Thoroughly decent starting pitching, but total one inning bullpen collapse. Arg squared. Yep. Man, Steven summed that up in like two sentences better than I could all night. Glenn says, I there won't be some killer ace available, but even if there was, it'll require overpaying. Our outfield jam is with guys that aren't outfielders. Yepes, Burleson, et cetera. And that's the problem. Teams are not going to want Yepes, Burleson. They're going to want, or even O'Neill. they're going to want maybe Carlson is like the baseline, but they're going to want Newpar. They're going to want Donovan. They're going to want like the, the good players, right? If they got a good player to trade, they're going to want to take your good players to do it. And that's tough. Um... Interesting trade deadline, according to Fly Navy. Everyone will know Mo's desperation. Ass will likely be beyond Mo's choke point, or his puke point, rather. Will he hold or fold? If he holds, maybe they turn into sellers. Yep, he's gotta he's gotta have a, a very maneuverable depth deadline to be good in the moment of these things. Uh, and, and recently, we haven't seen it from Mo, so that's where it's gonna be. I agree with Fly Navy seventy three. A very interesting trade deadline for John Mozeliak. Because he's got to make moves or this team's going to be stuck in the mud. As we pass the midnight hour here on the Central Coast, want to remind you guys one more time to subscribe to the Brendan Schaefer YouTube channel for daily Cardinals content. Also, check me out on B-Shafe Daily, which is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. This is what that is. It's just a live version of the show tonight. Allison says, I know we've talked about it before, but TV blackouts, Why? With the bankruptcy rumors, do you think it'll change for the better? Allison, I do. We already saw Bally Sports drop out of the San Diego Padres, um, but they're basically charging fans out there 20 bucks a month to watch the Padres, which is, it'd be nice if they would offer that for all teams. I think it's still a little bit expensive and it's not fair, but at the same point, I mean, it's better than nothing and not having an option at all. Uh, when you get when you get offered those $20 deals, I still think it's kind of rough, but Allison, it will change for the better, but I hate to say it, it won't be soon. It's going to be a very gradual change because a lot of the contracts around the game are still in play, and some might expire this year. Some are going to expire next year, some the year after. It doesn't all happen at once, so the change is going to be happening. It's going to be put in motion already, but it's going to be very, very gradual, and I feel bad for folks like y'all in, in Iowa that, that don't have you know the opportunity to just pay for watching Cardinal baseball. That's all you want, and the MLB is still too short-sighted, and, and honestly, it's ridiculous, but... That's what it is right now. Brian says, I was at the game last year. Pujols passed A-Rod for homers. There are more Cards fans than Pirates fans, and I live an hour and a half from Pittsburgh. Yep, they the Cardinals had that kind of thing going on last year where people were going to travel no matter where they were because Albert was, was doing his thing. Nothing will change until Mozeliak and DeWitt are gone. Stop buying tickets. Yeah, we'll see. And DeWitt's not going anywhere. I mean, he owns the team. His son will take it over at some point. EC said, just got done watching the game on tape delay. Is it just me or is Hicks in hiding? Is he hurting? I don't think he's hurting. I mean, he pitched in two innings over the weekend. But, yeah, they maybe it's a case where a couple of the days where they could have used him, They he's saying, yeah, my arm's a little fatigued, a little sore, whatever, and so they're, they're staying away from him. But I agree, EC. I thought it would have been a good night for him. Uh, and Taylor says, easily the worst loss of the season. And James says, Ollie more blind than Ray Charles. Uh, and then he says, rock chalk which I say no thank you to that. Um, and, and Ray Charles was a talented man, so hey. 
Slim Hot Pocket says irrelevant, but that cat tower is the perfect height. Just needs an occupant for the extra entertainment. My cat does does go in there sometimes, and it, it takes her right up to the window. Um, I think she's upstairs sleeping with, you know, in, in bed with my wife who's asleep now. So that's probably what it is. Um, uh, but yep, she's a sweetie and, uh, was just, was just not, uh, not feeling camera ready tonight, I guess. But that is probably going to do it for this edition of the show. Guys, we nearly went two hours tonight. Appreciate you all for being here. If I missed your comment, I'm always available at for 12 on Twitter. Um, available to, to Patreon subscribers, patreon.com slash for 12 If you got five bucks a month and you want to throw some Cardinals content, uh, you can throw it that direction, but just make sure you're subscribed on YouTube, following on Spotify. Those are the ways you can help me like the stream on the way out. And, uh, we'll talk to you again. I'm sure over the weekend, appreciate you guys as always, but that's going to do it for this edition of be safe daily live. We will talk to you next time. Peace.